Well, I understand that in the publishing industry, there is one genre of books that outsells all the others by quite a significant margin. Now, can anyone guess what that might be? Romance novels, very good guess. Far more than any other. Uh, an exceedingly popular kind of story. Um, and I want to argue today, with, uh, we can actually think of the Bible itself in one sense as a romance story. Uh, though that's not often, ha not often how we read it. Um, apart from the Song of Songs, there's not a lot of actual romance in the Bible. But today, as we look at the story of Ruth and Boaz, I think we can see a biblical romance here. Um, and I think for many people, this is their favourite Bible story for that reason, because it has that. Um, but I think the story of Ruth that we see in chapter 3 is actually more than just a nice love story. It's also a story that provides us a key for reading uh, some of the deeper themes of the Bible and what it means. So we've seen the overview of Ruth, we've had a children's story, uh, uh, talk about it, and we've read the chapter. So, but briefly, you know, so what's going on here in this story? Let's think about it. Over the past couple of weeks, we've looked at the significance of the book of Ruth. Why is it in the Bible? What is it saying? And I believe that Ruth actually provides us, uh, as Christians, an example of uh, the kind of life that God's people are called to live with him. Uh, ordinary people who are following the law that God gave them and doing so in the spirit in which he intended them to do it. Um, and they benefit from doing that in very tangible ways and in spiritual ways as well. So, as I said, this is the story it's of good people following their good God and experiencing the benefits of that. And it's one of the encouraging stories of the Old Testament of what life can be like with God. Uh, and that's shown particularly through the characters of Naomi, of Ruth and Boaz in particular, as they, and how they navigate these circumstances that they're in so, so that the grace and the faithfulness of God can shine through them. And when we left the story last week in chapter 2, we were at the point at which things were starting to turn for the better for the story of Ruth and Naomi. It started out pretty bad. They left Moab with nothing. Came back to Bethlehem. They had no husbands, no children, no money, very little prospects. And we saw they came home basically just to subsist on gleaning in the fields and what they could get. But then Ruth encounters Boaz, who's a good man, and he takes an interest in her and helps her out. And Naomi, we see, is a practical and experienced woman as she is. She starts to see further possibilities here for securing their situation in Bethlehem. And this is where our romance starts to come in. Um, when I did um, English at high school, one of the main books that we studied uh, was Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Many of you are familiar with that. And this was also around the time when the BBC did a very successful adaptation of that into a, a series, which I'm sure many of you have seen as well, um, which my sisters watched about once a week for five years. <laughs> so I am very familiar with the story and I can still recite large blocks of text from the uh, verbatim. Um, and so you may be familiar as I am with the opening sentence of the book Pride and Prejudice where she says, um, it's a truth universally acknowledged that a young man in possession of a large fortune must be in want of a wife. Yes, thank you. Yes. 
So that's, of course, it's actually meant to be a satirical statement, if you understand the, book, the situation, because we can see what, in fact, is happening in that story is there is a, an older couple in possession of several daughters of marriageable age, and they are hoping very much that a rich young man will take them off their hands, uh, regardless of really what he thinks about it or not. It's not really relevant. So that's what's actually going on here. And I think that Naomi in this chapter of Ruth is actually very much at home in that kind of attitude. Uh, she starts the chapter basically saying, I would translate, being of the opinion that Boaz, being a man of good fortune, must be in want of a wife. And she knows just the young woman who we should be marrying. And um, so Ruth seems to agree, and they sit down to plan out how this is going to work. And what follows is, as we saw, it's quite a ch charming tale of a courtship, and it even amounts to something of a romance. Uh, when I was, used to work at a Christian bookshop, and I used to occasionally see, you'd see people had written books that were kind of novelised, fictionalised kind of accounts of this story, and the inner feelings of Ruth and the others would be explored, uh, as though it was what we would think of as a romance novel, uh, focusing on desire and longing and people's feelings. Uh, but I think it would be a mistake uh, to read too much romantic passion into the story of Boaz and Ruth. Um, it goes a bit beyond what's written here. If you read it, it's actually a lot about practical people negotiating about land and money and responsibility. Uh, that's the core of the story. But there's also a description here, I do think, of something that is more than just a practical arrangement um, and involves a great deal of, of respect and affection between Ruth and Boaz as well. And the action then is set up very evocatively. It's quite economical. It's a short story, but we understand really what's going on. Uh, Ruth is advised by Naomi to take a gamble on the fact that Boaz could possibly act as what they call a guardian redeemer for her. So he has the right to make an offer to marry her and integrate her family and her family's property back into his. As we spoke about last week, it's a legal practice, it's a custom of the time. When someone lost control of their property through a variety of circumstances, maybe through um, poverty or uh, misfortune, a member of their family group was allowed to redeem it, to buy it back from them so that it wouldn't get lost from the family. And so Boaz, Naomi says, can do this for Ruth and Naomi, and, um, and in doing so, redeem the property of Elimelech. And because Naomi and Ruth can't use it or work it for themselves. And that will secure Ruth and Naomi's future. And so Naomi encourages Ruth, therefore, it's time to construct a compelling pitch to Boaz that he should do this for them by marrying her. And so firstly, you know, you have that little setup. It's like the bit in the romantic comedy, you know, where they go into a dress shop and they'll try on different outfits and the friend says no, 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 and then they find the one that's really good. That's going to, you know, win, the, win his eye. So... Uh, Ruth would have been dressed as a widow until, up until that point to show her mourning, but she puts those clothes aside and she puts on a new dress to indicate that she's back on the market. You know? yeah. Good sign. She gets washed, she puts on perfume. Yeah. Uh, and then that night she goes out to the threshing floor, you know, goes out to the area of the field where Boaz was working and uh, sleeping during the harvest. Now that's a fairly bold thing to do, isn't it? Uh, when I was younger, there were lots of discussions around the church about how Christians should do dating and prepare themselves for the possibility of marriage. It was common at the time. And a lot of those conversations were fairly conservative in the advice they would give people. But I do remember someone joking about the biblical precedent for what you might call the Ruth method of dating. So <laughs> you turn up in a man's bedroom in the middle of the night, whip off his blankets and ask him to marry you. So, yeah. <laughs> I, Maybe worth a try if other things haven't worked for you. Um, 
Yeah, so anyway, as we read, um, so Ruth uncovers Boaz's feet and she lays down beside him. Uh, and when he wakes up, she asks him to act as her redeemer. He's, she's creating the possibility. He's going to say, I'm going to cover you with my cloak. You're under my protection now. I'm going to accept your proposal. Now, there seems to be uncertainty among commentators as to what, uh, whether there was a precedent for what she was doing like, um, what, and what she was precisely doing by this and how risky or inappropriate her behaviour actually was at the time. So some people have argued that uncovering his feet is a euphemism for something else. Um, but that seems a bit out of character for Ruth to me, so I don't think that's true. But I think that what she's doing, it's certainly bold, we can tell, but it's quite modest and she's attempting to be discreet while getting results that she wants. So it would, it would be hard for her to pursue Boaz in public, of course, and it's not appropriate, and she would risk that he wouldn't be interested anyway. She's a Moabite and not someone he would naturally consider. But she makes it clear in a way that forces him to respond to her request. And we can see at the end... Um, Boaz has taken this on and you can see that he is trying to look after her at the end in the morning where he tells her to leave so that her reputation isn't compromised. So whatever actually happened on the threshing floor that night, Boaz is impressed enough with Ruth that he says yes to her proposal. And he's impressed by her, as we already know, because of her generosity to Naomi and her dedication to supporting her. And he also thanks her for showing modesty, you know, not going after other men, uh, younger men perhaps, who she might find more attractive. He's not a, he's not a young man himself, or rich men as well, but he, she's respected the customs of the people. She's been very modest in her behaviour. And so I think the picture I get or I read this, it is a romantic story, but it's, not, it's more about nice people, good people who are respecting each other and figuring out uh, what's the right thing to do and how to do it in the right way. Uh, we can see the seed, I think, of a fruitful relationship here between these people. It's based on respect. And he gives her then this grain, as, we, as Holly said, as a sign of his favour to her, a promise of what's to come. And so the scene is set for the next, which is their wedding and what comes from that. So this is this romance in, Bo in uh, Ruth. And it's a nice story and it's satisfying to read about and to consider. And I think in one sense, it, again, as we think about last week, it shows us what it means to be people of integrity and faith. So Ruth was a person of faith. She trusted that God was going to provide for her. And so she did what was necessary. And Boaz was concerned as a man of integrity uh, to do what was right in God's eyes by this woman who came to him and the responsibilities he had for her. And it's an encouragement then, you know, for us to behave in the same way in those kinds of situations. But I'd like us to look a bit deeper as well um, about this because I think in terms of the wider story of the Bible... Uh, the story of Ruth and Boaz is a very good picture of the idea of redemption and the relationship between God and his people. And that's why I say the Bible is a romance story, uh, because the overall story of the Bible is about a relationship between God and his people. That's what it's about. It's about love. It's about God's love for them. Um, so Boaz is Ruth's redeemer in the story. He sets her free from this situation she's trapped in, he restores her to a good place, you know, brings her back. And to redeem someone is to buy them back. So someone has been perhaps taken into slavery or they've gotten into debt, which they can't deal with, and so they need someone to pay the debt for them, they, to buy them back, and that's what redemption means. And that's one of the strong images that actually is given in the New Testament to explain the relationship between God and people that we see in Jesus. Because... The Bible teaches us, it's clear that all of us have been stuck, as Ruth was, 
in a bad situation that we can't get out of ourselves. We become slaves and debtors of sin, slaves of ways of living that aren't good, uh, in debt to the world and its, and its structures and the evil things that are in there. And the apostles of Jesus say that the death of Jesus is actually a payment of redemption that buys us back from those things for God and for relationship with him. As 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 19 says, Peter says, For you know it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So Jesus, Jesus Christ, is the Boaz of the New Testament. Okay? Or in one sense, Boaz is a kind of shadow of Jesus to come. Uh, the kind of redeemer that God is. Faithful, generous, kind, and willing to go to any lengths to redeem the people that he loves. And he pays a high price. What he pays, what he gives to redeem his people is his own life. Because uh, we're like Ruth. We have nothing to give. Because the problem that we have is with the lives that we're living. We can't pay for anything to redeem ourselves with them. So we can't pay, pay back the debt that we owe. But God then has chosen we're here to redeem us because of his love and out of the life of his son. As Naomi says about Boaz, this man will not rest until the matter is settled today. There's a passionate urgency to this redemption. Uh, and it's the same is true for Jesus. If you've heard discussions sometimes of the cross of Jesus and the death of Jesus and what it means. Sometimes we make it sound a bit like an impersonal transaction. You know, there's a debt that we owe. It's like a bill that needs to be paid and God pays it on our behalf somewhere in the spiritual world. That's good news, but it lacks the passion, I think, that is meant to be in the story of redemption for people. So the debt that God paid was not impersonal. It was paid by his own life, by himself, on the cross as a redemption for the sin of the world. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a lot, it's an act of passion and care and urgency in the way that Boaz redeemed Ruth. So God redeemed us through that. But the impact of it wasn't to end there because redemption is actually not the goal or not the end goal because we, people are redeemed for something. We are redeemed for a purpose. So for Ruth and Boaz, his redemption of her was so that she can be restored to a new life with him. To the beginning of a marriage together and a life and a relationship that will last for them. That's why he redeems her. And so there is actually a story to redemption and a dynamic that goes on. It's a relationship. And so I think that also Ruth and her actions are part of the story of redemption as well and part of how we can understand what it means for us. Because Ruth, as we know, has nothing to offer, but she does boldly go and ask for redemption. She approaches Boaz and asks him boldly for it. She's a partner in this story. And so we are too in our relationship with God. Jesus was quite clear about this, that it's important for people to seek and to ask God for his grace, his redemption, and to want it and to seek it and desire it. Um, and that's part of how we experience the presence of God in our lives and his grace. So Jesus said this about this very thing, about grace and forgiveness and redemption in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. Talking about the kingdom of God, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. 
Ruth didn't know what Boaz was going to say when she went to ask him for redemption, but she went boldly because she really wanted it. We do know how God the Father will respond when we ask him. So Jesus says, ask him, seek it, show your desire. That's a relationship. It's not just a one-off thing. It's a, a life of, of grace. And there's a, di- a dynamic element in seeking grace and coming to God again and again, asking him to, to grow and to strengthen our love for him. Um, and that strength of our seeking, I think people find, seems to draw down a deeper experience of God's love in a tangible way. The boldness and the, and, the, and the seeking after him. And God has always more to give. There's an abundance out of his giving. It's like Boaz gave Ruth this big shawl full of barley. There's more to come, he says. There's an abundance if you will only ask for it. And I think that's why Ruth is such a great character, because she's so bold in what she wants to and what she um, asks for. She, she's not going to leave Naomi, she'll stay with her, and she will pursue her redeemer, Boaz, and get what she wants from him. And that's, I think, the boldness that Christians should have towards God. Um, some people wonder, does God really, you know, is God favourable to me? Is he like me? Or does he, does he want to give me good things? I don't think we should ever doubt that. Because this, cause Boaz is just a shadow of the generosity of God. He's only a kind of picture of God's generosity, which is so much greater than that. So I want to encourage us today as we consider Ruth to be like her, as Hebrews 10, 19 to 23 says. I want to finish my reflections with this encouragement as the, as the letter to Hebrews says. Uh, Therefore, brothers and sisters, let, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great, a great priest set over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse them from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. So let's come and ask him today. Let me pray. We thank you, Lord, for the story of Ruth and Boaz and we thank you that as Boaz was, you are our redeemer. And we pray that you would help us and inspire us with the passion and boldness to seek your redemption and your grace uh, and to come before you asking for it and to seek it, which we know you're willing to give. So I pray as we continue in worship today, we would be encouraged uh, to be bold and to seek you passionately and to enter into that new relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.